Good morning. Welcome to the Mr. Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Mottram. It's the morning after the Skins were decimated in Dallas to run their season record to 5-7. and seven. Here to talk about that from the Washington City Paper, it's Matt Turrell. Hey, Matt. Hey, Jamie. How are you? Whew. That was, that was the worst game of the year. It was. It was, it was the worst half uh, that I can remember in a long time. That wait, a minute, wait, a, wait a minute. Which one? Oh, the first one. The first half. one. Okay. The first one. So I was going to say it was the tale of two halves. Both of them equally shitty in profoundly different ways. I don't know. You think the second one was equally shitty? Yeah. Okay, so the first half, I don't know, for those who didn't watch, and also, yeah, by the way, you would be down. excused. You would be excused for not watching. Um, the first half, they, they just couldn't hold on to the ball. They had, I don't know, a bunch of drops, a bunch of turnovers. I mean, in every which way. Like, balls off of Crowder's hands for interception, ball, like, balls out of Crowder's hands for a punt return fumble. Cousins coughed it up a couple times. Drop pass for Doxon. Well, the first half was just brutal. Uh, in that regard. The second half was brutal in that they could not come back because they could not stop Alfred Morris from gaining five plus yards at a, at a clip, even though they knew it was coming every time. So to me, the difference, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but to me, the difference is the second half was bad in a way that we've seen a bunch of times before, even with Dallas. I mean, I, I remember, was it Marion Barber just uh, burning off like nine and a half minutes of clock uh, yeah. a few years back. Um, the first half was a snake bit, everything going wrong. I mean, I don't even know who you could blame for the things that went wrong in the first half. The first half was a, just a cascade of disasters. I mean, that, I mean, that mostly was, Jamison Crowder. Yeah. Well, true. That's, that's a fair point. But, but the problem with blaming Jamison Crowder is that he's like, I feel like he's acted upon. I don't feel like, you know, he didn't build the game plan. He's not making huge decisions. He just screwed up mechanical uh, actions repeatedly. Um, I don't know. It was it was bad. Did you watch the whole thing? Be honest. I did. Okay. I uh, I, I turned it off at about four forty five. Left. Uh, got into bed and was like, you know, I can't do it. I have to. I have to see this through. So I I missed. Um, I think it was Morris's second touchdown or the lead up to the second touchdown. Or yeah. something. I missed. I missed something. Oh, um, you missed something. You missed. I think you might have missed. Uh, I don't know if he did. I don't know. Did he score two touchdowns or was it just the one? I can't remember. Oh but no, the, it was Rod one, Smith one taking that, over. One that really stands out was like, I don't know what the score was or the situation, but it was, it was over. And this was just another nail in the coffin. And he pops up in the end zone and he does the home run swing celebration. Yeah. I mean, that. I saw it. Yeah. It was like, my heart's in a million little pieces. Well, first of all, I saw you tweet about exactly that. Second of all, as he was running well, I was anticipating your reaction to the home run swing. Um, <laughs> I, I, I knew where that was going to go. I could see it coming, and, and I felt bad for you. I mean, you, you're, my, you're my pal. You're Al- the host of this thing. Alfred Morris, a.k.a. Fromo, is an incredibly talented running back if it's 2012 or the second half of last night. I think he's a good running back the rest of the time. I th- do, do you think that letting him leave was perhaps uh, a bigger mistake than we have previously considered? Well, I mean, it looks like a mistake when your backfield is Samaj P. Ryan and two guys I've never heard of. Well, you mean two guys like Rob Kelly and, uh, you know, <laughs> Matt Jones? Like, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, not the like they had a firm plan in place. Right. Yeah. The way it's, it's shaken out, like, yes, a P. Ryan. Morris Thompson backfield is better than what they came into the season with. Yeah, I think that's right. But it's not like it changes the fortune of this team. What changes the fortunes of this team is 
that I, like half this team I've, I'm not familiar with who they are. If you put them in Cowboys uniforms, I wouldn't bat an eye. I'd be like, oh, yeah, of course, uh, that nondescript inside linebacker is a Dallas Cowboy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could have if you were to if I were to tune into, you know, the, the Ringer NFL podcast and they were like, I missed the beginning of the segment and they were talking about the guys by name. I would have no idea what, t- what team they were discussing. I would like when I found out it was the team that I allegedly really follow. Uh, I would be just shocked. And, and now we haven't done a podcast in a couple of weeks uh, because I don't know, we got busy and stuff. Uh, but our, our, our companion podcast, the Burgundy blog. I'm calling it the Companion Podcast. <laughs> I and, wonder if they feel the same way. I like that we just sort of adopted them. Like, You're our friend. <laughs> yeah, well, I listened to their post-game of the Thanksgiving night game, the Redskins-Giants, and I thought Britton Portis had a great take on that, which was that it, it felt like a preseason game. Like, other than Kirk Cousins playing the entire game, it just felt like a preseason game, both in that nobody seemed to care a great deal, <laughs> uh, and it was ugly. You know, it was 3-3 at the half. And also the Giants are terrible. Um, but also that, like, you don't even know who a lot of the players are on your team. You yeah. know, I can't remember ever keep feeling trotting like out this new about, about a regular season Redskins team. Like, there's been so many injuries. I don't know. We'll get into how, how it affected the game. But the, So the, the format we'll try to follow here is the overreactions. We'll overreact to uh, things that happen on the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, special teams, coaching, maybe the broadcast and officiating, what have you. Let's start, as we always do. With Kirk Cousins, um, and maybe not just about this game, but you—you, you, I can't remember what form of communication this was, but in the past week or so, you told me you had turned on on Cousins, and now you're on team, bring him back. Yeah, oh, so I'm all over the map on Cousins. I've reached the point. I, I have definitely reached the point where you can't deny that he is a top tier NFL starter of some kind. Okay, I, I don't know. What I think is troubling me is that I can't figure out how to think about him narratively because, like, it feels like what he wants is to get out of town. And that, on the one hand, is frustrating to me because it's like you should want to play for the team that I want you to play for and things are okay here. But on the other hand, it's like he seems like a nice guy and, you know, Ashburn seems like a miserable place to be. So, like, maybe I want him to leave. Uh, but, But then it's like people like the team administration, uh, basically the people who want him to leave, I don't want to be aligned with those people because like they seem like horrible people. So I just, it's not even, it's not even about on the field, on the field. I've come around like, I, I think it was Grant Paulson who on the one hand is one of cousins is like biggest defenders in the known universe. Um, but on the other hand, he made a good point after the game last night, which is if you think this is still the same Kirk cousins that you were seeing, you know, a year ago, let alone two years ago, you're not watching. I mean, he's doing a lot of the things that we have criticized him for on this very podcast or you know, on Mr. Relevant or wherever he's, he's doing, he's now getting them done. Um, he still makes a bunch of mistakes, but uh, you know, I don't know how much you can knock him for that when his offensive line is like you and me and three guys we picked up at the local Sbarro. So um, I don't know. But so I'm all over the map on Cousins, not because of how he's playing, but because of the whole story around it. Where are you on the subject? I liked the local Sbarro line. That was nice. I, I, I want to acknowledge that. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing about him seeming to not want to be here, I don't know. I mean, that just seems like armchair like dart throwing I like last week podcast last week he wears you know like his little um you know hail to the redskins uh pocket Pocket square square. and it's like look at him he wants to be here 
and then it's like Tuesday, Thomas Boswell writes a column about how like, I don't know anything about it. And I probably haven't been to Redskins Park in 10 years, but pretty sure he wants to go. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know about all that. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been on team. Keep them, you know, whatever, whatever it costs. I'm still on that team. I think last night, you know, like every game is like a referendum on Kirk Cousins and what his contract should be and what the future should be. I feel like last night was a little bit of a correction. You know, not his fault that Crowder turned it over two times. And actually, I think three times, but the replay review was kind. Um, not his fault. The offensive line, uh, you know, just got done eating not only two, not, not just one, not just two, but three slices each at Sparrow. Um, it was a bit of a correction because coming into last night's game, there was like, it had gotten out of control the other way where it was, he might be a top five quarterback, definitely top 10, definitely top 10. I mean, look at his QB rating. Look, he's second in yards passing. And, and to me, like, that's just kind of getting a little too far away with it, that he's like that lofty of a quarterback. I, you know, he, he's good. He's steadily approving over the course of three years. And he's the exact type of guy, the hardworking, like guy, dedicated football is his life stays healthy guy that you would want at that position. Uh, but it had gotten a little, it had snowballed a little too much into this land of like, he's getting long features written about him in sports illustrated. Very. Did glowing. you read that one? Did you read that one? I mean, he has a cubicle at Ashburn. I'm not sure if you heard about this. I did, but this one, this one actually got past the cubicle at Ashburn and talked about like his insane, like brain doctor and his other brain doctor and his sleep doctor and his yeah. focus doctor. Yeah. And it's like, that guy's going to need to make $34 million because uh, unless he's got great, great medical coverage, that that's a bunch of specialists. Well, that's now, you, well now you know why he's hawking t-shirts on my corner. <laughs> on the internet, <laughs> it's, it's totally it. When when are you going to open up breaking pot uh, breaking pocket square? That seems like a, a natural progression. I would have to know what to do with one <laughs> before I got involved in that type of. Venture. I don't think you do. I I, I I sell all sorts of things that I have no idea what they do. Uh, um, so, but but I mean, but, last night as a referendum my cousin was really tough. I mean, they. I think at one point he was like he had gotten hit like thirteen out of twenty two pass attempts, and these pass attempts were not real pass attempts. They were like drop back and throw it immediately. Well, I, I, you can cherry pick from every Cousins game. You can cherry pick to prove whatever point you're trying to prove. And I keep trying to figure out like what kind of mental you know, trick I can play on myself. Like, I'm like, well, what if I picture someone else making these plays? You know, if I picture the, the drive, the touchdown drive, where one of the key plays was Cousins throwing, falling down to, you know, a, a Jameson Crowder breaking free off his route. And, yeah, you know, that was a great play. Like, that was like a Russell but, Wilson but, play. So if I picture Russell Wilson doing it, I'm like, that's amazing. And if I picture Deshaun Kaiser doing it, I'm like, that guy has no idea what he's doing. And it's a miracle that play came through. So even down to the individual play, you can make the story, you know, oh, Cousins keeping his head under pressure and making an impossible play. Or like, oh, my God, it's a miracle that wasn't another pick six. I, I just don't even know how to evaluate anything Cousins does at this point. Yeah, it's funny and that it's, you said that, that play specifically, because first of all, I think it was the best play he made all night. But second of all, like I saw in my Twitter timeline, back-to-back tweets, one from Grant Paulson that was like, you know, just incredible play. That's exactly the type of play Cousins needs to make to prove he's a lofty quarterback, whatever. <laughs> yeah, all, yeah, he should be wearing a cape. And then the second tweet was from J.P. Finley, friend of the pod, who said, I don't think Cousins was throwing it to Crowder there. <laughs> and I was like, and perfect. This is perfect. I mean, it- 
That's perfect. It's it's the old uh, the, what's the cliche the the blind man describing an elephant. That's that is Kirk Cousins. Although I would argue, I thought his best throw was the touchdown to Grant uh, on that same drive. Oh, um, wasn't Grant like wide open? I can't quite. Recall. He was wide open. It was he, but he had gotten schemed open. And when Cousins released the ball, I was like, well, that's out the side of the end zone. It's uh-huh. a terrible throw. And when it you know when the receiver came into the picture, I was like, oh my god, like great read, great play, made it immediately. I liked that one a He's lot. He's gotten um, good at throwing it a different play but he's gotten good at throwing it only where josh doxing could catch it yeah you mean eight feet in the air yeah like i feel like that like last night there was two one that doxing didn't drop but he got both hands you didn't catch but he got both hands on it on the sideline i'm not blaming him for dropping it but it was like a like a high degree of difficulty throw and catch the throw was there and he almost caught it and then there was the touchdown where he just threw it you know 12 feet in the air and doxing got up and got it like that there's been at least five or six times this year where there's been throws like that, um, which are, you know, they're 50, 50 balls or probably far less than 50, 50, but you have to throw it to the exact right spot to even make it, you know, a possibility. So when we're talking about overreacting to cousins and we're talking about all this, I mean, I don't know when you want to get to this, but I think that leads into the question of like the next off season of the coaching staff. It's all of one piece to me. When do you want to, when do you want to overreact on that level? I mean, I, I, Right now, it's fine. Um, All right, let's do it. I, I just I feel like the team has been so you know the season has been kneecapped by all of the injuries, and that they entered December. You know, I mean, last night they had a chance to be five hundred on December first. That's not like you know something to be celebrating, but you can respect it. You can respect the job that they've done. I, I don't know which more you would expect. This was a roster coming in that looked to be like an eight or nine win team, maybe, you know, borderline third straight winning season. <laughs> and, and, they've we can had, still get there. and they've had is like worst luck with injuries than any Redskins team I can remember. Yeah. So Almost I, any team that I've ever seen. It's really bad. So I, I don't know. I don't know that you make any changes there. It seems like that would be, a solution for a problem that you don't have. I don't know that you do. I don't know that I do, but the question is, does Bruce Allen or does Daniel Snyder, because I, do you f- still follow Jason Reed on Twitter these days? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jason Reed has this sort of habit uh, of showing up during Redskins games, tweeting ominous things. Uh, his, he's does winter's coming a lot, but he's also, he's got a, a, a standing bit where Mike Jones of the Washington Post, a friend of the pod, I believe, um, earned uh, earned Jay Gruden his extension, uh, you know, through his writing, and that um, now Allen and Snyder are trapped and are stuck with Jay Gruden. And if you're stuck with Jay Gruden, well, then you might as well just franchise Kirk a third year and, you know, keep it all together. But they really should blow it up because his argument, to boil it down, is that Jay Gruden is a sub-mediocre coach, that his record reflects that, that his ability to get guys up for games reflects that. And I want to argue because it sounds so specious to me, but, I mean... Uh, is it uh, everything I like about the guy seems like it's him as an offensive coordinator. Is it possible that he's just not a good head coach? And if so, is it possible that Bruce Allen uh, admits a mistake and fires him quickly to get one more chance? I mean, this is a good, this would be a good overreaction to say, yes, yes, he's subpar, you know, like, yeah, they need somebody, a real head coach in there the morning after losing at Dallas by 25 or whatever they, whatever happened last night. But 
they went nine and seven two years ago with a team that probably shouldn't have been any better than nine and seven. They went eight, seven and one last year with a team that probably shouldn't have been any better than that. This year with the injuries they've had, they entered last night, like looking at different you know rankings, both subjective and objective. The skins were around like 12th best in the league. Yeah, their record was five and six, which is not the 12th best in the league, but they were like an average team. Let's just say they're an average team. And last night was the worst loss they've had all season. So we can overreact to that. But they're basically an average team. No one thinks this team should be better than average. So well, I, I feel like Gruden has done as good of a job with this team as any coach during the Snyder era, other than maybe possibly Joe Gibbs, who and then, walks on water and his money's no good in this town <laughs> and is unimpeachable. Yeah, um, as we found out again last week. Oh, my God. Oh, the football um, life? And and the car wash of interviews around the football life. Yeah. Boy, people really like Joe Gibbs a lot. I I I like my Joe Gibbs like like best remembered just in my own mind from twenty five plus years ago. You know what I mean? I don't. It's like the, yes. the it gets almost in a weird way, like the glory gets like dulled. It gets dulled down yes. with these like you know hagiography whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. How do you no, say looking. that word? Hagiography? Hagiography? I think it's hagiography. I've always Hagi? said hagiography. Hagi? But I, I don't know. We, we should, uh, we should definitely figure that out at some point. Yeah. But I, I've always, I've always done a, a, it's like gif or jif really. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see. We got off the track there. Oh, there was, yeah, a, well, let's, so let's talk about the offense again. I have two things yeah. I want to say about the offense. Well, let's, let's say three things. We haven't been around for a while. Um, one is the offensive line there was a moment last night where uh, Morgan Moses went down for like the 10th straight game, but this time he stayed down. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't come back in. So yeah. that, that hurts. And then Ty and Secchi moved from left guard. He's not, he's, he's not the left guard. He's, he's the backup or perhaps the backup to the backup left guard. They moved him from left guard to right tackle and moved somebody to left guard. I'm not sure who in this scenario. And Ty Inseki immediately started getting eaten, eaten up by uh, Marcus Lawrence, I think his name is. A really good um, outside linebacker for the, for the Cowboys. Has like 13 sacks. After that happens, Trent Williams goes down. <laughs> Trent Williams goes down. Inseki moves to left guard. I'm not sure what ha- – or left tackle. I'm not sure who's at left guard now. Uh, Tyler Catalina, I believe. Who's Tyler at, Catalina reappeared. I thought he had been cut weeks ago. Ba- I did not realize they had brought him back. He's like another uh, backup to the backup type of guy. I think he's now the right tackle. And you've got like an Inseki. I'm not sure who at left guard. Third string center. Brandon Sheriff. Brandon Sheriff's in there. And Catalina at right tackle. Offensive line situation. And Collinsworth is like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> That Chris Collinsworth, man, that's the kind of insight that you get the big bucks for. <laughs> anyway, I was just like looking at this and I'm like, you almost had to like put your hands over your face and like look through, like peer through your fingers. It, it was yeah. that ugly of a situation. Yeah. And I give, I give them some credit. They, they did at least to some extent change the way they were calling plays uh, to accommodate the fact that the Sabaro offensive line and oh, it was you know, 37 they, and they were, they were like, like a two step drop immediately wide receiver screen. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that type of play call. Um, so, so yeah, but I mean, I, and again, it's, it's, what do you think? Do you give them credit for functioning with this terrible group of guys or, you know, I, I don't know. Cause no, by the end, not last you know, night. I, I mean, if they put like 20 plus on the board, I'd give them credit, but like, I mean, what they do? They scored 14 points 
and they were down a lot of the game. So like they were in like let's score now mode. I I mean, I, I think they have a great excuse, but I don't give them any credit. Well, and that's yeah, that to me is that to me is the question. Is it an excuse or is it an actual justification? All right. So that was item one for you. What do you got? Number two. What was that? You said you had, you said you had oh. three items. Oh, okay. Let's go to the receivers. So I it, this has got to be like is it the worst receiving core in the league? <laughs> I just want to I want to pause for a second like you know face the camera timeout freeze frame flashback to preseason where we're like I, this might be the best receiving core I've ever seen. I mean these guys are these guys are amazing. Can you have you ever seen anything like Terrell Pryor? So okay back to back to real time uh everything's moving again. Um I don't think they're the worst I've ever seen. I mean, I, I actually I want to give Ryan Grant a lot of credit for playing way beyond what I ever thought he could. Now, yes, the fact that he has to do that is a problem. Um, Crowder coming into the season, we all thought was really good. You would have counted him as a strength last night. I don't think you would do that. Um, I like the way Doc. No, I mean, I mean, you know, Crowder's you know? fine. He was he was good for like negative twenty points. So no, I mean, I'd have to go through. <laughs> Who among us hasn't lost 20 points for our team in some way or another? Uh, I'd have to go through the the other teams in the league. But no, I mean, I think they've got some players there. And yeah. I mean, prior missing on your missing on your top wide receiver uh, as a free agent selection after letting your top wide two wide receivers go, that's going to create a bad situation. Well, it just came into focus last night when you've got prior on the IR and he wasn't doing shit to begin with. And you've got Crowder, who was a zero the first half of the season. I mean, he didn't do, he didn't have any production. He was fumbling on, on uh, palm returns. Like, he had a zero first half. The last few weeks, he's done well. He, I think he averaged 100 yards plus the last few weeks. Yeah. And then last night was just, like, the worst game of his career. So, I don't know. I think Crowder is a good receiver. I think Crowder is a, a guy you, you know, can count on going forward as, like, a second or third wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Doxon, who seems to be super talented and has scored five times this year. That's no small feat. Um, it's, you know, you'd be happy with that coming into the season. But he also has like 300 yards receiving, maybe. Like he doesn't have a lot of production. He, they don't he, throw to him that much. And he doesn't, his, his catch rate's only like 50%. So it's not like if he's your number one wide receiver, I think you're in like a lot of trouble. And then Ryan Grant is your third receiver. A third receiver in today's NFL is like, that's a starting receiver. And then I don't know who's after that. Is Brian Quick their fourth receiver? I don't know. It's just like the thinnest, like least productive receiving core that I, I don't know that I know of. I mean, maybe they're like the Bills are worse. But going to this offseason, I feel like you have to get somebody who can come in and be a top guy. And I wasn't anticipating that coming into the season. Hadn't really considered at any point until now. I agree. Well, there's a few things to say. Doxon reminds me of. Um wide receivers back when we used to play fantasy football like a decade ago mm-hmm. um or more there was a theory that you you went for third year wide receivers do you remember this oh yeah um, yeah the third year breakout yeah and, and it was actually reasonably consistent and that's the way wide receivers developed back then there have been so many wide receivers who have just come on and torn it up from the jump that i think we've kind of forgotten that Doxon looks to me like he's on that old that older school path of like by next year, I think he might be a fully uh, contributing receiver. Um, you're also not factoring in that Jordan Reed is out. 
Um, so you would have you 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 can get away with fewer wide receivers if you've got your Jordan Reed and your Chris Thompsons in play, um, which they don't True. have anymore. True. Well, and it, it really came into focus last night, also with you know, not only is Jordan Reed out, but Vernon Davis, who was probably was their leading receiver the first half of the year, he he had to stay in the block. So yep. you had you had Crowder, Doxon, Grant out on patterns, and that was about it. <laughs> like, and you've got no receiving threat out of the back. like Pirine is a first and second down back. The guys I've never heard of come in at third down. Um, and yeah, so when you're down Reed, you're down Thompson, Pryor didn't work out, and now you're down Pryor too. I mean, and you've got this offensive line. Oh, I mean, the yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know how they've been averaging over 20 points a game, but it's now at a point where I feel like you, 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 it's almost like you feel fortunate that they could put up 20 plus. Yeah, agreed. I thought it's something else that was really highlighted last night. This moves us a little towards running backs, but it touches on this. Um, Chris Thompson, who everybody thought was really great and, you know, was amazing for the start of the season, last night pointed out really how amazing he was because, oh, what's his name, Byron Marshall, who, yes. you know, they signed they signed him off the Eagles practice squad. He he plays about as well as you would expect for a midseason signing off another team's practice squad. I'm not mm-hmm. – I'm not – killing that guy but you could see that they were running the plays that they would usually have tried to run through thompson mm-hmm. through marshall mm-hmm. and he had what would he have he had like uh five catches for 24 yards and you know that thompson breaks at least one of those you know he just you could see the talent disparity there and it was really uh, amazing well and they were all like all five catches it felt like were on like third and six and they went for five yards <laughs> you know what i mean like it was it was basically just what the cowboys defense gave them and thompson's the type of player who can actually make a difference make a guy miss and like you not only get the first down but like break one of those and now the redskins are down to a, an entire offense of just a guy or worse so what do you do what what do you do with Kirk Cousins if you're the Redskins, and what do you do if you're Kirk Cousins? <laughs> you're really I mean, this again? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Because here's the thing. Here's what I mean. For the last the last four games, um, uh, the Redskins have nothing to lose. They can trot him out there behind this this offensive line, and if he gets killed, well, you know, no contractual issue for us. And in fact, it solves their dilemma. Um, Cousins, on the other hand, desperately needs not to be crippled in the next four weeks. Um, right. So what do you do? I think if you're the Redskins, you play him and, you know, you, I mean, you're hoping he doesn't get hurt. But I, would it be so bad if he had some more games like last night? You know, he had four turnovers last night. I'm not saying they were his fault. He had four turnovers. It takes a little bit of the blue, a, you know, bloom off the rose. Like, I don't think it doesn't really change my opinion of Cousins, but there was some like, you know, post-game commentary. I forget who it was. I think Steve Smith on NFL yeah, Network Steve was Smith like, Kirk Cousins just him. lost himself $20 million. Well, not true. But if he has the last four games of the season where he plays at like this kind of level, like the team plays at this kind of level, he, he might, that might cost him $20 million. And maybe that's the outcome you kind of root for if you're, if you're the Redskins front office and you're trying to sign him for $180 million instead of $200 million, games like last night would help you out. But it makes it harder to sell to the fan base. And also, I, my, my go-to thought is that uh, Dan Snyder is the ultimate fan. So anything that you say, like affects the thoughts of the fan base affects him as well so it might even just make it less likely that he comes back because the last six things snyder will have seen are you know 24 turnovers or whatever i mean if they finish six and ten i mean they're five Mm -hmm. and seven right now they finish six and ten and you know cousins kind of limps down this down the, the the stretch here it does get hard 
to give him the biggest contract in NFL history. Like from a, just a perception standpoint, I'm, I don't think it really matters. I mean, you've seen what he can do the past three years, and I think he's already kind of, you know, earned earned the uh, the money relative to, you know, the financial state of the NFL and, you know, who's available on the QB market and who needs quarterbacks, all that shit. Uh, but it does get hard to justify it, you know, from a PR standpoint. Um, so I don't know. And I'm also, you know, they're out of the playoffs now. They were out of the playoffs really before last night. They had like a 5% chance of making it. But, you know, you felt like you could have a 2005, 2007, 2012, 2015 type like finish. Like that mm-hmm. was in play. And now they can't. But I'm still hoping that they kind of pull it together and finish at like 500 or better. If they could finish at 500 or better, then I feel okay about the season. I feel like they had a ton of adversity and they're still on a decent path where they've established themselves as like a legitimate NFL franchise. They have a legitimate quarterback. They've got a lot of continuity in terms of the coaching staff and, and the offensive line. A lot of, a lot of young players. On D- I would feel okay going forward. But if they crater in December, well, then it's like same old Redskins. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you. Because if they crater in December, it's like, yeah, the same old Redskins, good old Tony Bergstrom and Tyler Catalina and Ty Insecki and, you know, Zach Vigil and whoever else will be playing by that. Is point. Tony like, Bergstrom, is he the guy who was working the register at Sabero but is now the center? Uh, I think he's the one who actually heats up the pizza slowly. Um, it's And I don't think he's very good at it. And yes, he is now the center. That's impressive. I, I was I'm more impressed that you got that right. Than that who is Zach Vigil? Missed. Zach Vigil is one of the backup linebackers. Um, oh, okay. I don't think I've ever heard of Zach Vigil. I watched like, the whole, I've watched every game. The funny thing is, like, I love AJ Francis from his days at Maryland and from his presence on Twitter. I think he's a smart, funny, interesting dude. I'm excited yeah. that he's on the Redskins. But so when he makes plays, first I'm like, oh my god, Kedrick Golson's back, and I'm like, no wait, they gave his number to AJ Francis. How dare uh, they? And, and then I'm like, I'm like, yay, it's AJ Francis. So good to see that guy playing in the league. But again, do the thought experiment where he's not a Terrapin who I like, who's a good personality. And he's just, you know, uh, a Jamie Matram random pickup off somebody's practice squad. And it's like, it's miserable that that person has to make the number of plays he's making. So I don't know if I can kill them if they crater. Um, I don't know yeah. if I begrudge them. But they've got nobody to put in to be like, hey, let's see what the rookie quarterback can do. Let's see what – there's nothing There's nothing that I can see on the roster to play for at this point. Right. Yeah. It's a good point. Um, by the hey, way, thanks. by the way, uh, the, the like crying a river for the Cowboys because they lost Zeke Elliott and suddenly we're a bad team is so tough to bear when the Redskins are starting four guys on the offensive line. You've never heard of <laughs> like, well, like their entire team went to shit because they lost their running back. Oh really? We lost half our team. <laughs> Well, there's a difference between uh, being suspended for being accused of some really nasty stuff and injuries, Jamie. We, we're, we're sympathetic to some things and not well, to others, and I, I wish you would be sensitive to that. All right, let's move on from offense uh, to the defensive side of the ball. I, just, I don't really have too much to say other than just like, how, did, how could they not stop Alfred Morris? Like, how could they, they knew the run was coming the entire second half. There was nothing complicated about it. They were just being knocked off the ball. Like they well, could not, they could not like get in the way. I assume they were exhausted because one underrated element of having to play all your backups is that you don't have as many people to spell people and give breathers. We've talked about how they've been getting exhausted in the second half. 
all year. So I assume there's more of that going on. Uh, I assume morale by that point was incredibly low. And, uh, you know, you can't take away the Cowboys like Morris uh, not only has been playing well, but is motivated as hell to show up uh, everybody involved in this situation. And, I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't have as much uh, that, that, like I, like I said, up top, that was expected to me, the, the collapse of the run defense and the loss of a bunch of running, you know, late rushing touchdowns that I would have been expecting no matter what happened. Uh, I wasn't that shocked by that. I was shocked. Does it feel like Bashad Breland commits an awful lot of personal fouls? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> okay, I, just just checking. I'm glad you mentioned that because I almost forgot the return of Des Bryant. Like, Des Des Bryant may as well have like not played this year. Like, yeah. it was like Odell Beckham level of n- non impact. Uh, Odell Beckham had a good excuse; he's been injured. Yeah, he's, Des, he's actually not playing. I mean, like, like Des suddenly came out of nowhere to to be to be like old Des again. And the touchdown he scored on Breland, while it was a fantastic catch, that. I didn't realize he now has more touchdowns than any Cowboys receiver ever. He has more than Michael Irvin. Which I, didn't, is impressive. I, didn't, I didn't think Des had that kind of career. Yeah, I feel like uh, Michael Irvin had more against the Redskins than Des has had in his entire <laughs> career. So shows you what I know. Um, oh, the other factor, I think, in the, the kind of like landslide second half where they just could not stop the run. I don't know what the time of possession was in the first half, but it could not have been kind to the Redskins defense because the, the Redskins turned it over repeatedly in the first half uh i wouldn't be surprised if it was like you know whatever the cowboys might have had the ball close to 20 minutes in the first half that has to play a factor especially when you're you're thin on depth um i don't i don't know what it's like for a player but i know even just as a fan or or viewer when you're like yeah hey guys hell of a three and out that's really great and then the punt returner fumbles the ball and the defense has to come back out there i feel like I feel like it's one of the most demoralizing things in football. Like you're just, uh, your adrenaline's down. I don't know. It seems real bad. Well, well, let's just move right into special teams. Uh, Sure. Because even worse, I think, than than Crowder fumbling, it was his fourth fumbled punt return slash botched punt return. At least four. uh, Let me see if I can dig that up real quick. Um, There was a a note last night that I think he leads the league in fumbles this year. Like non-quarterback edition. That's that's hard, I think, for a wide receiver to lead the league in fumbles. Um, let's move into special teams. They not only had the fumbled punt return, but they gave up a punt return touchdown, uh, and pretty backbreaking one too. Yeah, they they did not they did not look good. I felt like Tress Way had a really good game. Uh, I would assume that the the punt return touchdown was partially on him um, out kicking his coverage, but I. Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I, at some point, that's one where I don't feel like it's an overreaction to say there's something um, wrong with special teams from the ground up. And that's one where I think they have to look at making a coaching change and, and just overhauling everything there. Is, um, is Danny Smith working these days? That's a great question. I don't know. We could bring him back. I always like that guy. Didn't he go to Pittsburgh? Wasn't he the Pittsburgh special teams coach? Yeah, he was at Pittsburgh with Sean Sweet for a while. I, don't, I think he's still there. I think he made some call earlier this year where people were tweeting uh, about yeah he's still he's still the special oh, teams quarter coordinator for the Steelers if the internet is to be able to stay in Pittsburgh so, uh, go figure. die of gonorrhea and rotten hell you, you and I I will note have always had very different opinions on Danny Smith <laughs> good I just say <laughs> I just set you up that whole way for the race yeah. line um, not even worth not even a worthwhile line um, coaching <laughs> one thing on coaching I want to say 
one thing on coaching. There was a point where the Redskins had the had been pinned down inside the one yard line. There was a, a the the a punt uh, the Cowboys pinned it down. Like I mean, right on like the half yard line. Then they got called for a false start, so they're now on like the one foot yard line, one foot line, one foot line, something like that. And first down and second down, I think their play call is to run it right up the middle, as if it's a short yardage situation, like a goal line or a third and one or whatever. The first on first down, they almost get a safety. Yeah. On second down, they break through and they get a couple yards. Yeah. Why? Why would that be the play call? That, I feel like that would be the last fucking thing that you would call in a one foot line situation, especially when you've been stuffed in short yardage all year long, especially in the recent past. I felt like there was, I'd say like a fifty percent chance of being of getting a safety with that play call, and they and it damn near happened. Well, you, you, you would feel that way, and you would feel like that's a weird call unless you had, as your quarterback, somebody who has two seconds to throw behind a Patrick offensive line and has shown a proclivity for throwing interceptions inside his own 20. And I will say that no matter how well Cousins has played lately, the, the, the throw he tends to check to, that out, outside throw uh, that he does in, inside the 20 all the time that gets picked off and running for a touchdown. Like, I think you you have to genuinely worry about that. He also, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, it was strange. I don't know also why when you have, you run once, you got stopped. You run the second, I mean, they actually got eight yards and it was third was it and two. Yards? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was third and two and they threw the ball. So like, uh, I don't know. I would have, I would have said, Hey, maybe we can get two yards running again. I mean, um, when you're on the one, that. when you're on the one foot line, there are no good play calls. But I felt like that was the least good. <laughs> like that was the most risky in a in a really like uh, you know you I guess you would think in a short yard situation like play it safe yes run it right up the middle. But uh, I, I don't think that was the case. I think that was like the most dangerous thing they could have done. Um, but whatever. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the end, that, that's that's what this whole game comes down to is like well, let's see. Uh, should we move to the broadcast real quick? And there's no Blandino sure. settings. This is an NBC no. game. No Blandino. Um, I, I I like Chris Collinsworth. I just want to say that. And I like Chris Collinsworth after he's called your team's game re- like, re- like repeatedly in a short period of time. I think he mentioned last night that they've had the, he's had the Redskins like three of the last four weeks or something like that. And the, it shows like the level of well, first of all, the fatigue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the exactly. sheer crushing on we watching le- this team. But the the level of familiarity with the team, you know, like you didn't get any call. You don't get any calls in that scenario where, like, you know, sometimes you'll have like Moose Johnson or whoever who's like Jameson Crowder. You're normally so sure-handed, you know. Yeah, and exactly. it's like, well, yeah, you haven't watched them this year, then, <laughs> you know. But like, I this is something like with NFL broadcasting. In other sports, you get the home team guys. You get the, the home team guys that, yeah, they root for the team, but they also know the team. They watch them every week. And then in the NFL, you get like this revolving door, and it's always people being like, oh, he's shorthanded or he's a short tackler when they're exactly not. Yeah, I mean, you could get that by listening to the radio broadcast if you're feeling particularly masochistic. Um, <laughs> is, Larry, I, uh, is Larry Michael still involved? 
Larry Merkel, who is now a Hall of Fame selector, yeah. is indeed still involved. Then and, no. Uh, then no. Yeah. It's there's there's a lot going on with that broadcast. Um, I don't. I, I have a weird antipathy towards Collinsworth. I can't. Nothing I can pin it on. Nothing I can specifically say. Uh, part of it is that my wife has decided, as of I mean, probably a decade ago, uh, that he looks like Joe Bluth. And um, she will she will sort of make Joe Bluth jokes whenever he's on the screen, which is a little distracting. Wait, um, which which one is Joe Bluth? Is that the Will, Will Arnett? Arnett? Okay. Yeah, that's Will Arnett. Okay, yeah, yeah. She, she, I she, thought, but so. I I don't think she just thinks he looks like Will Arnett. I think she specifically thinks he looks like Will Arnett playing Joe Bluth. He's got that who, sort of smile. Who is the other Bluth? The guy, the, the actor who's also in Veep. Uh, is that Tony Hale? I think. Yeah, Tony Hale. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you were referring to him or Will Will Arnett. Sorry. No, no, no. It's definitely Will Arnett, but specifically Will Arnett in his like goofball, dumb Got um, gotcha. Joe Bluth persona. <laughs> anyway, so but but I think that your second point is the more more accurate one, which is that anybody who sees your team multiple times, first of all, they get to know the players better. They get to know the plays better. They get more accurate. Second of all, you get Stockholm syndrome and you become convinced that these people are acceptable announcers. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. Uh, do you have anything else to say about this game? Yes. A couple of things. First of all, um, color rush uniforms. Uh, there was an entire, I, I don't, what would you call what happened uh, online with the color rush uniforms prior to the game? How, how would you characterize that situation? Uh, People had an a, a like an odd amount of interest. Um, first of all, in the uniforms, I guess I guess it's not odd. Like it's to be expected, but I just don't care that deeply. Um, I thought it was we strange that that like it was like known that the league was asking them to wear the the gold slash yellow, and there was like a backlash to that. So. Yeah, and and the team, as they love to do, mishandled it badly. Because if they had just come out and been like, "Look, we don't like the yellow ones. We're wearing the burgundy ones," the end. People would there would it would have been a five second story. But instead, they're like, "Well, we don't know." And the players are like, uh, "We're told we're wearing burgundy." They're like, "Well, oh, oh, easy there. Don't we don't we don't know. Could be anything." Oh, see, I wasn't I wasn't aware of all this. Could be wearing our green. Like it was really weird. Um, and then after the game, there was a lot of the usual like, oh, good thing we paid so much attention to those color. Maybe you should have been focused on the game. And I don't think that happened. But I do think that, A, the team handled it poorly. B, the burgundy color rush uniforms look like pajamas. C, the yellow color rush uniforms would have been worse. And D, uh, there was really no good answer for anybody in this situation. I, 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 we have a disagreement. I think the burgundy color rush uniforms, especially relative to almost every other color rush uniform I've ever seen were pretty dope. Okay. I mean, you know, you are the fashion uh, impresario. <laughs> so I, I far be it from me to argue. you. Um, I mean, I don't really give a shit cause they lost by 24 points at Dallas, but they looked, but they lost right. looking like they were wearing onesies. I mean, it, whatever. Um, all right. Uh, next it, better than the all good. white. I don't, I mean the whole white. Yeah. I, I, but, uh, uh, but at least I have good associations with the all white. on the fashion tip. DJ Swearinger with That's a what I was about to face to. mask yep. uh, in, in homage to uh, homage, homage, uh, homage. Yeah, sure. it, it depends. It really depends on if you're uh, French Canadian or French or just American. Uh, Say however you want, man. A tribute to Sean Taylor. I, yeah. I thought that was just like a really nifty tribute. Like that a yeah. lot. 
that was awesome. I, I, um, I, you and I, another area where we differ is that I tend to think that the Sean Taylor annual um, memoriams are a little overdone. I'm not taking any, I'm not taking anything away from Sean Taylor. I'm not taking anything away from people's genuine feelings of loss and sadness. Uh, but I do think that it's a lot every year, but that was an awesome one. I absolutely mm-hmm. loved everything about it, especially in light of Swearinger having just talked about how influence he was by taylor uh you know coming up so uh that was that was probably in hindsight uh the best thing about the game was, highlight uh, swear under yeah. face mask all right well should we end on that positive note Oh, we should. Hey, you should make a T-shirt. It's too bad Swearinger's not better because a T-shirt or a Sean Taylor T-shirt of just like the outline of the helmet with the face mask tape over the yellow parts, like no logo or anything. Just the, hmm. that could be really cool. Not bad. Um, yeah, if, hey man, if they had won, I don't think anybody's <laughs> buying Redskins gear today. <laughs> or if or if we had thought of it in time for the ten-year Sean Taylor uh, <sighs> memorial. Oh, um, I, how can I turn tragedy into commerce? That's what I wake well, up every morning thinking. Well, I mean, you know, who among us doesn't uh, really think that way? I always look for bad things to sell. Um, that was actually a good call by Collinsworth last night. It was something about Norman versus Bryant and how contentious that used to be. But then they turned conflict into commerce. And now they're doing commercials together. <laughs> like, I thought that was thought that was a good call. Well, you know, if that's what I look to for searing sociological insight is Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, not a whole lot to look forward to with the rest of the season, but... Matt, the third straight winning season is still in play. All they got, all some... they got to do is go four and zero, or three, yeah, or... or three, zero oh, and one. Yeah, or they can go. Uh, let's see, can they do it with 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 two, one, and one? No, I don't know. Yeah, th- there's so many ways they can have a winning season still. And what a what a reward that would be for this team. <laughs> All right. Well, our listeners can follow you on Twitter, Matt underscore Turl, read you in the city paper, subscribe to the Mr. Relevant podcast on iTunes and bumpers, uh, or just don't do any of that. Um, but thanks for listening. And Matt, I'll talk to you next week. See ya.